Today's episode is made possible with support from Bremer Bank. Work with a banker who understands your business goals and how a strong banking relationship will help you achieve them. Work with Bremer Bank. Put Bremer to work for you today at bremer.com. It's about creating a tomorrow for Asha, my daughter, for me, for all of us, where the thing that we care the most about, those things that matter in our lives, those are the things that our day should be getting optimized around. Not watching a random ad or buying a random product that we might need. This race to the bottom that the attention economy has been of who can be more distracted and who can get your attention for longer, it needs to become a race to the top around who can be the most helpful in my day. And that's what we strive to do at Better From Twin Cities Business, this is By All Means, a show about innovation, drive, and purpose, and the leaders who make business work in Minnesota. I'm Allison Kaplan, your host and editor-in-chief of Twin Cities Business Magazine, coming to you from the studios of our presenting sponsor, the University of St. Thomas Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, cultivating the next generation of problem solvers and innovators. The school offers undergraduate and graduate programs in entrepreneurship and corporate innovation, as well as community resources to support new ventures, family businesses, and corporate entrepreneurs. And now, by all means. Sean Higgins knew he was spending too much time on his phone, going down that YouTube rabbit hole when he meant to go out for a run or call his mom. But instead of setting his phone down, he came up with a new way to utilize this technology that sits in the palm of our hands. A better way, if you will. Better You is a digital coach that uses AI to map how we spend our time and make suggestions to fulfill goals that we set, like more exercise, more sleep, calling mom. Better You ended 2023 with a $6 million Series A funding round. It's still early days, but this app is showing signs of traction with users. Sean is a St. Thomas graduate. He majored in accounting for a steady path, and he actually got a job in the field. But Sean found himself drawn to problem solving and entrepreneurship. And my first exposure to entrepreneurship was through my friend Peter. So when we were both 16 or 15 in high school, I was, you know, working at the local Kmart earning seven twenty-five an hour. That uh-huh. was the that was the minimum wage <laughs> back then. Good times. And Peter was buying these old Pokemon games, modding the game files. You could catch all the Pokemon without having to trade with your friends. But what he would do with that game is he'd sell it on eBay because people wanted to buy this oh, thing. Wow. And so when I met Peter, he was doing, you know, whatever, thousands of dollars a semester in high school. And you're just toiling away at Kmart. For seven twenty five. <laughs> and so it made me think, how do I be more like this guy? Yeah. Because we were in all the same classes. We, we had kind of similar friend groups. We were very similar in what we could do. But I said, he's doing something very different. I'm interested in that. Hmm. And so that was kind of where my first exposure, I would say, to entrepreneurship. Okay. So tell us about the, the first business. How, what was the idea and how did you guys get started? Yeah. So ILOS, or what eventually became VidGrid, was all about helping people share things that they knew via video. So let's, let's take a trip back. We're going to go back 11 years now. That's the sound of us going back 11 years. When you get there, 2012. In 2012, video is not as commonplace as it is today. YouTube exists. Yeah. Consumer video exists. Video in the workplace does not. When I got to my first job, They sat me down, they handed me a book, Mm -hmm. a bunch of pieces of paper with images of screens that I was supposed to access and text instructions of what to do on those screens. And I looked at it and I said, huh, this is going to be tough, (laughs) right? (laughs) 
And so our idea was to enable people to quickly record things that they knew, things that they would show from a process perspective. Here's me. Tutorials. Exactly. Tutorials or live video. Capturing those both together, we would transcode a video file locally to make it really light. If you remember video in 2012, if someone tried emailing you a video, it doesn't work very well. Mm -hmm. It's huge. It's a big, big file. Sure. It destroys your inbox, especially 10 years ago. So what we would do is you would record a video. We'd compress the file locally. We'd host it on the cloud. And in 10 seconds, which was an actual time, you would have a video that you could share. And we made it really fast. And so people started using it in these creative ways in the workplace. And that was kind of the the journey that we were on. And it was specifically targeting workplace. I mean, that was the Correct, idea. correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that was where the idea got the most traction. It wasn't necessarily where the idea started, but it was definitely where we got our traction. And how did you make money? Did people pay to use the service? Yeah, we charged a SaaS fee. Got it. So it was a, it was a monthly subscription. I, You know, it's funny. I don't exactly remember how we started pricing. You know, I think it started off as a per user per month kind of fee. Uh-huh. And it eventually merged into just a site license type fee. Mm-hmm. But there was a monthly subscription just to have access to the platform. When VidGrid started, did you quit your job to do this? At what, at what point were you ever full time with VidGrid? Oh, of course. Yeah. So the, the burning of the boats moments uh-huh. for me was when we had, I think it was one or two people who said they would use the product who didn't know me before. <laughs> okay. Right? If my uncle buys my product, it doesn't mean I have a great product. It means I have a great uncle. (laughs) And so with that, I wanted to find people who didn't quite know me or our our founding team, but still thought the product was interesting enough to to write us a check. Mm -hmm. And so with that, we had a few. Uh, Patterson Dental was one of the Mm. companies that said, wow, we could really use this. I still actually have a copy of their check. I kept it. It might be company property. Don't get me in trouble. (laughs) But I have that check. It's actually in our current office with uh, Better Use First check. We have both of them side by side. So we had two or three customers that wanted to buy the product who didn't know Sean. And up until that moment, I had been investing money that I had been making from my day job Mm -hmm. into the business to afford, you know, server space and start working on the product. And were you actually making the product or you're kind of the sales guy and your partner was the one yeah, who was technically... Peter. Peter, Peter was, was our technical founder. Okay. So he, he was the one and he wasn't making it from the very beginning. We had help from a few other folks who are part-time and fractional, mm-hmm. Ryan Schroeder, Seth Carlton. So I would invest money that I had earned at my job to pay these guys who are our part-time developers mm-hmm. to help us stand up a product. Eventually... Peter came on full-time. He was our first, you know, full-time developer. Uh, but, but prior to that, probably a year prior to that, I had gone full-time on the business. Wow. Yeah. You were really excited and eager. And yeah. And we had to the pay right yourself sign. a salary? What's a salary, Allie? <laughs> I don't know what that is. No. The, the short answer is no. Uh, we didn't, we, as the founders, didn't make a ton for the first several years yeah. in the business. Yeah. But you were young. You were able to do that. Would you recommend that path? I mean, had you to do it over, would you go? I mean, did you, did you feel like you needed to be full time to, to get it off the ground? The hardest part about trying that path again now, Allie, in my 30s would be having to move back in with my parents. <laughs> I'm not sure they could handle that. They so could they handle would say it. No. They could handle that 10 years ago, or yeah. 11 years ago. They could handle that. Sean, yeah. come on mm-hmm. back. Don't pay rent. Yeah. You can afford to live off of, you know, whatever, $1,000 a month or so. Yeah. At this stage, that doesn't work. That it's a 20-somethings journey, for that sure. That would not work. Yeah. But I think if you are in that life stage and you are looking to do something, it's not a bad route to consider, right? Mm-hmm. You have very minimal living expenses. You know, rent is kind of it. And you really get a chance to roll the dice. Even if it works out or doesn't work out, rather, the way you would expect, you're going to get a bunch of experience that's applicable to other endeavors, whether they be startups or large companies alike. Yeah. 
You did um, sell VidGrid. Yeah, correct. You were acquired. Yeah, yeah. So it counted as a success. Yeah, right? definitely. Definitely. And what was the learning from that? When you sold it, was that it? You were done? You walked away? Yeah. So uh, so that, that's a question that varies depending on who you ask of the team. Mm. A good chunk of the team is still there today. The parent company, Paylocity, is based in Chicago. Some of the team is still there. They're working on different and interesting products. I do think, you know, it's hard to work on one thing for a very, very long time. And by the time you were, you know, we were in our seventh, either on their seventh year, eighth year in the video space, it's easy to not want to look at a, a video transcoder or, or think about, you know, different file formats. You want to do something else. And so I think a lot of the folks that I've kept up with who have had success there at the parent company are into other projects. They're working on a survey project or Paylossy. They do a lot of different things around mm-hmm. payroll and HR benefits. So there's a lot of room to run. Huh. And but for you, for me, it was it. Yeah, that I, was it. Yeah, no, no. Even even uh, before that, I, it became clear that what I wanted to do, we weren't going to be able to do going that going this path. Mm-hmm. And so to branch out and kind of do my own thing, it took me a while to get there. I had a year in between where I worked at TechStars at the retail program for a year as their EIR. After uh, Brett Brohl left, uh, Ryan Brocher graciously offered me a spot to help them with the program, which I really enjoyed. It was a very, very enjoyable year in the yeah. journey. But for me, I knew there was something else I wanted to be doing to really add positive impact. We were a success. Financially, we were definitely a success. We delivered a lot of the value we wanted to do. But there was just something about it where you wake up one day after spending six and a half or seven years building something, and you kind of wonder if you, if you actually delivered the value that you wanted to deliver hmm. from putting in all this time and all the sacrifice and everything. And for me, I just felt like there had to be something more. And that's what I was really looking for in that year off. I didn't know what it was. And I eventually found it with Better You. So, how, I mean, that's a, that's a big thing to go searching for. You're just search, you're searching for meaning. You're searching for purpose. You, yeah. you knew you wanted to do another startup. Yep. How did you zero in on what Better You would be? Yeah, I think it's easier for me being patient zero for the problem that we solve. Okay. I would get to the end of my week as a founder living this life, and I would have missed things that were important. Things like calling my parents, getting good night's sleep, getting exercise. And I would tell myself this story every single week. Oh, I was so busy. Look at how much I got done. Look at how much I got done. And it wasn't until the, inter- the invention of Apple's screen time where they launched this feature that shows you specifically where your day goes throughout the week. Yes. Did you ever look at those? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, oh, I do. They're depressing, mm-hmm. right? And the reason they're depressing is because we spend so much time in places we don't intend. Mm-hmm. I would see weeks where I didn't call my parents and YouTube would be at four hours. Mm-hmm. And I have to go, wait a minute. This is not an overlapping circle here. I can't be too busy and be on YouTube for four hours. <laughs> One of these things is not true. And it was, I, was, I wasn't too busy. I just didn't know where my time was going. Mm-hmm. And for me, once I saw the problem that we would go after, this attention economy that we live in very much today in 2023 and beyond, once I saw that, I couldn't unsee it. Every airport I walked through would be people with their heads down and mm-hmm. their phones. Every elevator or convenience store line is people literally fidgeting with their phone, doing these little micro movements and really not doing anything with that time. Right. And for me, I, it started to create this, this understanding of, okay, what are the layers of this onion that we have to peel back to learn what's going on, to try to dive deeper? Mm-hmm. So... Okay, that's that's a very interesting idea, very relevant to our, our to our world today. How did you? How does that become a business? Yeah, with help is the short answer, <laughs> right? 
So I didn't start Better You Alone. I started it with uh, one other co-founder, Edwin Melendez, someone I've known for over 16 years of my life, a great, great partner, someone who, again, could help me with the technical side because I, I don't do that very well. Mm-hmm. And then we were joined early on by our first employee, Dr. Tommy Koo. Tommy's a PhD, and he was out of Dartmouth. He's a degree in applied mathematics, and he specialized on you know, evolutionary uh, social psychology. So he was already doing research in a space that was tangential to our own. And with these three, we went full-time right away. So I actually invested some money. We had a small angel kind of pre-seed round right away. That's the benefit of having an exit. You can put some money in from the start instead of yeah. having to scramble and hire people part-time. We, we went in and we said, hey, we're going to do something for three or four months. Let's just see what we can do. Mm-hmm. And we built a product. We found people willing to pay for that product. We used a framework called the Mom Test, which is a phenomenal framework for people looking to get feedback on their business. And from there, you know, really, we were able to source, it was probably close to five paid contracts even before the product was done. Okay, wait, wait, wait. You're moving fast. So you built a product. What, what did you even build? What, what were you... You, you, you know that you're wasting time on your screen. <laughs> what is the product? Yeah, the idea was to make a companion. AI is all over the news right now. Yeah. AI, AI, AI. Everyone thinks of AI. They think of chat-like experiences like ChatGPT or Bard. They think of image-generative experiences like MidJourney or Dolly. We were thinking back then of AI in a very different way, and we still think of it in a very different way. We were thinking of it in the forms of a massive prediction engine. Something that learns what I do, the things that I aspire to do. How do I, you know, the Sean that calls his parents every week, the Sean <laughs> that goes to the gym, right? Those are the things I want to do. And then measures that against my actual behaviors. The, when am I finding those YouTube sessions? When am I doing random things on Twitter? When am I going left, right, center when I need mm-hmm. to be going straight? And what it would do is it would make recommendations. So our product, what we built, the, the first version did this in, in, you know, a very basic way, but it would measure your time spent towards a goal, like going to the gym. Mm-hmm. It would measure it for you automatically. So you set the goals. You've got to start by saying, I want to go to the gym every day. Exactly. And exactly. then your phone's going to say, but you only went once, Sean. Right, right. <laughs> and the neat thing is we measured it for you. This is something that we almost stumbled into by accident. Most health apps, in fact, all health apps today, have manual components if you're trying to measure the things you measure. You have an app that asks you, did you call mom? You have an app that asks you if you went to the gym. I always thought it was funny. Why if I FaceTime mom on my phone? Is there another app on my phone asking me if I FaceTime mom? Can't we all just talk to each other mm-hmm. a little bit better? And that was a, a huge kind of uh, jumping off point for us where we, we had this system that one measured progress towards goals, but two helped me find five minutes or 10 minutes in my week to do these things that I'd been missing out on. Hmm. And how long did it take to, to figure all of that out? This was, this was what year? 2018, October 15th, 2018 is when we incorporate the company. That's when, the, that's when me and Edwin go full time. Uh, Tommy joined us in November, two weeks later. Okay. And if we can remember all the way back to 2018, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, AI wasn't the kind of conversation that it is today. 100%. Although, I mean, it was funny because we've, you and I talked about this earlier this year, actually, for our latest issue of <laughs> yeah. Start MN, that, you know, it's flashy now and people like to think that it just happened. But there are many, many companies and many ways. I mean, even as simple as when you're typing and, and your document finishes your word, we've been using AI for a long time. The, the domain that we registered is betteryou.ai. Mm-hmm. We registered in 2018. People think you're like, oh, you just jumped on the trend. It was, yeah. No, the, 
the trend is there because there's all that groundwork that's been laid, right? Right. And I do think, you know, shout out to OpenAI, when they released ChatGPT last year, it really was doing something that was novel, right? This conversation. Sure, the generative AI. Exactly, exactly. But there's so much more to it than that. And I think if we just look at AI from who's got the best chatbot experience, we're missing a bigger picture, which is about taking things that are unstructured in our lives or in our days or for us with our health Mm -hmm. and turning it into a plan, turning it into something actionable Mm -hmm. that can actually help you be that version of yourself you'd like to be a little sooner. So in, in a way, I mean, when you, if you can think back to how you talked about this, what your elevator pitch mm. was in those early days, mm. was it sort of like having a, a virtual assistant who maybe knew you better than you knew yourself? Or? And, and so maybe let me answer that question by, by asking or, or diving deeper into how we even arrived at what we were going to build. Okay. With this, I mentioned earlier, we used a framework called The Mom Test. So this is a book written by the founder of Pebble, and I forget his name, his last name, Ryan something. Anyway. The, he has this, this framework, and it's something that I wish I had had at the first company. It's easy to build a product based on what you think you need. But how do you know other people are going to need it? Mm. And so the mom test, it's a series of questions you can ask other people. And it's called the mom test because you wouldn't pitch your mom your business. She loves you too much to tell you what she actually <laughs> thinks. And so what I got from this is a series of questions. You know, it would say things like, okay, uh, you know, what are your top three goals as an individual right now? And people would tell me like, oh, I'm trying to do this. It's career. It's, it's health. It's weight loss. It's spending time with my family, right? Whatever those things are. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm ranking, okay, is health or something that we want to build kind of in that top three? If it's not, I know I probably don't have the right person. And that's a huge distinction. So often as founders, we go so deep with someone and say, oh, you know, what's your favorite type of muffin? And they say, oh, it's blueberry. And then you find out they hate muffins. They're a scone person. And so when you launch your bakery and you make blueberry muffins and no one comes, that's why you, you zoomed in too far. Mm. And so it's a framework that keeps it very high level. And then when someone says, oh, health is my top, one of my top two things. Great. How do you practice health today? What does that mean to you? Great. Okay. What are the biggest problems you have around your health? And as they, they dive deeper and deeper, eventually you ask them, have you looked for things to improve your health? What we find as startup founders is we get happy years. We hear what we want to hear. Yeah. What the mom test does is it trains you against that. Mm-hmm. Because the number of times in life, Ali, I've had people say, Sean, I would buy your product. I'd personally put $10 in. And then I asked them, tell me about the last time you Google searched for free alternatives to my product. <laughs> and it's crickets because they haven't done it. Mm-hmm. And you go, you're not going to spend $15 a month with me if you haven't even done it. The pain isn't painful enough to you to, for you to do the easiest thing and search for a solution. Right. It doesn't hurt that bad. Yeah. And so that was how we kind of arrived at, okay, people care about their health. They care about their time. What if there's a thread here that we can pull about finding time for different health activities you care about? He's got the goal. Can he really create an app for that? We'll fill you in after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is made possible with support from Bremer Bank. When you're looking for business advice, Everyone's got an opinion, an angle, a surefire five-step plan. But if you want to know whether any of it actually makes sense for your business, who do you turn to? Work with a banker who understands your business goals and how a strong banking relationship will help you achieve them. Work with Bremer Bank, because understanding is everything. Put Bremer to work for you today at bremer.com. 
Sean mentioned running his idea through The Mom Test. He's not talking about his mom. The Mom Test is a book by Rob Fitzpatrick about how to talk to customers and learn if your business is a good idea when everyone is lying to you. Here's how that exercise helped Sean build Better You. What gave us a lot of encouragement is people have been looking for alternatives, even paid alternatives. They're like, oh yeah, I use Noom. I use Insight Timer. Mm. I use MyFitnessPal. I use Strava. And they would show us apps. They'd show us subscriptions that they had. They're already spending money on this category today. That made us, gave us some confidence. But what really gave us confidence, we took some of those early feedback points. So I did about 40 of these interviews. I went on LinkedIn and I went on uh, Craigslist and I said, hey, I'll buy you a $15 coffee. Come have coffee with me. And I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. That's a nice coffee, $15. Yeah, I mean, it's great. You can, you can keep the <laughs> You excess. can get the scone too. Yeah, there you go. You get it all. You get it all. And so I would do these interviews. After about five or 10, I said, okay, there might be something here. So then I called a designer who I knew in town, uh, Sydney Jacobson. And I said, Sydney, this is kind of what I think I want to make. Just make a couple wires. Let's string something together. Make it look real. You can use Figma now for that and string together wires. Mm-hmm. Very, very slick. So what I would do then is for those remaining 30 meetings, after I found someone who's interested, I would show them the, the screens. I'd be like, okay, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? What would you use? When, if you saw the screen, what would you do with it? Kind of a thing to learn. Mm-hmm. And from that experience, when I got through all 40, I had two people who said they would buy not for themselves, but for their organization. Mm. One of them was a school, Fuller Theological Seminary out in California. They were already using a health and wellness app did very low engagement. People didn't like that they had to enter stuff every day. And they said, well, if yours doesn't do entry, that could solve the problem and then help people with their health. And the other was a company. And so we went back with these ideas. And I said, what should I do? And we said, well, let's see if they'll sign a, like a, you know, a piece of paper that says we'll launch this with you in April or May and, mm-hmm. and ship something. And, and Fuller Theological Seminary, they signed. They signed the piece of paper. Wow. And we didn't have any product built yet. So <laughs> I went back to Edwin and Tommy and said, hey, you guys, it's time to get to work. And, mm-hmm. and work we did from November through February. Mm-hmm. We worked weekends. We stayed late. We worked as, as long and as hard as we probably ever did at the history of the company. And we shipped a product. And the product wasn't spectacular. It's certainly not the product we have today in the market. But it did enough things right that people used it and people Hmm. got value out of it and people had feedback. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What were the biggest learnings from that first test market? You know, it was was that we didn't have enough goals. Initially, the the first version of the app, you could set kind of broad goals or, oh, mindfulness or social. And and we found people wanted to actually pick the contacts they wanted to talk to. Hmm. They wanted to have goals around meditation versus spirituality versus other things that they were trying to practice. And so we, we enabled over time the ability to get real specific with your goals. And it was one of the key takeaways for me. You know, it doesn't matter how much sense it makes on the whiteboard. It matters how much sense it makes to the customer. Mm -hmm. And it's our job as founders to talk to them and find them. How was it helping this school? Why did they want something like this? Oh, yeah. Student mental health is at an all-time low. This Mm -hmm. is still true in 2023 as it was in 2018. The incidence of stress, anxiety, depression are at all-time highs. Mm -hmm. And they obviously are bad for the individual students, but they're also bad for the business of the school. Mm-hmm. Students gap year, they drop, they transfer, and mental health reasons are a top three cited reason hmm. for lack of retention from the actual people leaving the campus. Yep. So with that, there's a legitimate business case. If you think about the, the development par- departments or admissions spending all this time and efforts bringing new students in, 
and then you lose them after a year, the retention rate in a four-year degree-granting institution is 74%, which doesn't sound terrible until you realize one in four students isn't coming back next year. Mm. So you have, to, you have to figure out how you're going to work through those pieces. Sure. So did you, where did you go from there? Did you take the learnings from the school and go back to the drawing board and do 2.0? Or did you have other clients coming on? Did other schools knock on the door? Yeah. So we did, we did all of the above. So we, had, we kind of split off into our different units. So we had Tommy and Edwin who are building the product. And then I said, okay, we've got this school that wants to roll, is rolling out with us, having success. Let's go meet five other schools. And so we picked up the phone and we called some schools. We called directors of wellness. We asked them what they were struggling with, asking for feedback, but also presenting the solution and some of the work we were doing with Fuller Theological Seminary. From there, we added you know, a handful of customers. And that was really enough when we went through the, the tail end of 2019. That was enough for us to start kicking off our seed funding round where we had enough traction. We had some revenues coming mm-hmm. in, right? All those good things. We wanted to expand the team beyond just the three or four of us and actually get maybe eight people, 10 people and have a real go at the market. And at that point, would you say was the product what it is today? No. Or is it still? No. What, what was it in 2019? What, what would it do for me? I have screens if you want. I would say, here, here's what I would say. I would say our product today, you could put in the, uh, the boxing ring with Duo, the Duolingo Owl, mm-hmm. or the Headspace app. And I'm not saying we'll knock them out, but I'm saying we will go all nine rounds. Mm-hmm. We will, we, from a design perspective, from yeah. a usability perspective, yeah. we've built a product that is consumer grade. If I flash back to 2019, we were still learning. We hadn't incorporated the FOG model, which is a great way when you're thinking about behavior. If you're building an app-based company, mm-hmm. the FOG model by Dr. BJ Fogg is a great way to design and build a very compelling app. Use it responsibly, of course. That's how we get into the problems we have in the first place. But on that side, uh, I would say we had something that was very basic. You still had very few goals, four goals. The goals were things you set for yourself. We were getting more specific, but we didn't quite cross that chasm. And, and the goals at that point, I mean, the, the fundamental goals that have been with you from the beginning were what? More. Oh, steps and sleep are probably the only two that have never steps changed. Steps and sleep. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're important. They're yeah. important. <laughs> yeah. And, and remain that way. Are they still top? They look different, very different. Sleep is our top goal. So of the people who come into our product and onboard, over 90% of them are have a sleep goal that they maintain. Hmm. And do you help them? I mean, they have to enter. I mean, there are so many apps. To, I'm just trying to figure out how everything works together for your yeah. customers or clients or whatever you call them. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, obviously you can have a mattress that tells you how you slept. You can have an, a, a watch that tells you how you slept. So what is better you do? Yeah. So depending on the goals you pick, we measure progress in three ways. First is app usage data. So the things I do on my phone. Am I on YouTube? Am I on Instagram? Am I on a a learning app like Audible where I'm listening to a book? Mm -hmm. The second thing we can measure are places. I have a gym. I go climbing at the Minneapolis Bouldering Project. I'm a rock climber. Mm -hmm. And Better You can measure if I spend 30 minutes or an hour at the Bouldering Project for me automatically. Same way my phone knows where to send the lift ride to to pick me up. Mm -hmm. Then the final thing we look at are your phone's sensors. These are already mainly built into Google Fit and Apple Health. But we'll pick up things, you know, the, the gyro picks up if my phone is moving around. That's a, the steps proxy. Sleep is very similar in that regard. And so what we do is we'll triangulate from those three legs of the stool to get a sense of how Sean spent his time towards his goals, making it really low touch 
for that end member, the person with the app on their phone. Mm -hmm. We don't want you to have to go in and enter stuff every day. We don't want you to have to go in and do a lot of work. That's really where a lot of the current apps have struggled. So Better You is basically just sort of humming in the background yeah. most of the time. Is that a barrier? You know, there are so many, There, you know, obviously Apple has taken steps to make it so that yeah, we can yeah. turn things off. And a lot of people are freaked out by how much their phone already knows about them. Yeah. Has that been a barrier at all? I would say no. I would say it's actually been a point in the right direction. The awareness has been very nice. For example, when we launched the company in 2018, anytime an app asked you for photos permission yeah. on an iPhone, you were granting them access to all of your photos, your mm -hmm. entire library. Mm -hmm. There was no way to pick just some photos. So when you go to Instagram to change your picture, boom, Instagram has all the photos on your phone, all of them, backed up somewhere on their server, right? Mm -hmm. Not clear. People don't know about that. With these changes, it becomes clear what you're being used and where it's going. And we follow that same paradigm. So with Better You, we're not going to ask you for contact permission, for example, unless you say you want to call your friends. Then we'll say, oh, who are your friends? We're not going to ask you for uh, location permission unless you've got a goal to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's really dependent on what you're looking to do. That's where the permissions come in. Okay. Um, what, what are your goals right now on oh, Better You? I don't have my phone handy, but I could tell <laughs> you off the cuff. We took it away from you. <laughs> I could tell you off the cuff. Yeah. So I, def I have a sleep goal. I have mm -hmm. a five-month-old, so I'm not, quite a, mm. I'm not quite maxing that circle out, but I'm close. I think I've hit my sleep goal five of the last seven days. Yeah, what about your wife? Has she hit her goal? She's about half the—we half the, <laughs> alternate. We alternate days. So she's okay. about half of her, the week she's hit. Mm -hmm. On the other side, I've got a steps goal. I have a gym goal to go climbing twice a week. Uh -huh. I have a reading goal. I try to, I'm reading uh, 10 minutes a day to 70 minutes for the week. A lot of that I'll do on, on Audible, like I mentioned. I have a learning goal, 40 minutes. I do some Spanish on Duolingo. I also have another app, Elevate, that I use that I like for just different mm -hmm. brain games, reading, and vocabulary things. And then the final goal I have, I have to think what it is. I don't remember. Maybe it's, uh, oh, oh, it's uh, social. I didn't, I didn't mention social. I have a social goal to talk to my parents, some friends, and some family members regularly. So typically, I mean, I'm trying to figure, I, I don't want to sound like a cynic, but yeah. but great, you can get that information. My phone tells me a bazillion things every day. I look at some of them, I scroll past others. Is an app telling me I didn't meet my reading goal going to make me read ah, more? No, it's not. So what <laughs> is, right? I think is the, best, is the question. Is? What is? So for us, the answer to that is solving a problem. The problem we face with our devices, the reason we spend so much time on our devices, it's because the options on our device are options that keep us there, mm -hmm. right? I, do you, I, I, really, I call this the menu problem. I compare it to Cecil's. You ever been to Cecil's? It's a deli. Sure. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. one of my favorite spots. The menu at Cecil's is a mile long. It's mm -hmm. huge. It's mm -hmm. huge. So many options. And every time I get that menu, I kind of pick one or two things. And Cecil's could probably go make me spaghetti back there. They know how to do it. It's not an easy thing. It's not a hard <laughs> thing. But the number of times I've asked them to go make me something off menu is zero mm -hmm. versus every other time I pick something, I pick something, I pick something. So which choice really matters? My choice or the person picking the options that I choose from? Mm. So my phone is just like that menu at Cecil's. The options on YouTube are to keep scrolling, get more shorts. Mm -hmm. Hey, check out your, the channels you're subscribed to. See if they have new videos. The option to call mom. It's not there. It'll never be there. Why would YouTube put that there? Mm -hmm. And so what we do with this insight around how I spend my time is we send real-time nudges, notifications based on what you're doing in the moment. Is Sean on his phone? Is Sean going for his third video? 
we know three videos for Sean is going to turn into 30 videos. It's kind of shaming you, basically. Send, send him the nudge. Not shaming. It's providing the opportunity <laughs> cost, right? Ah, okay. It's the opportunity It says, hey, you, Sean, you said calling mom this week was important. Do you got, do you got five minutes? Yeah. And in that moment, that's something I care about. That better you has just put on the menu for me that I can choose or not. Mm-hmm. But at least now I'm making a choice versus just going on an autopilot and going on to the next video. So your thesis is that just by getting those sorts of push notifications instead of another article that you could read or a game you could play or a friend request, yeah. you're going to actually do the things. Default bias is so powerful. Uh, there was a study by Mandarin and Shea in the late 90s where they were looking to try to drive 401k enrollments. 401k enrollments on average in their population group were about 50%. And the default, the no was checked. All they did, they changed it to the yes was checked. 86% instantly, right? So maybe not everyone. they did nothing. Right? Maybe not everyone. But if we can change those defaults mm-hmm. to be taking an action that you want to do, to remembering something you care about. Mm-hmm. We see behavior very regularly. Hmm. So we need to really call your mom and find out if if you are if you're making good on those push notifications. I have over a three year streak of calling mom every week. So <laughs> That's amazing. Some of them are assisted just between us. <laughs> who are who is your typical customer today? Is it still schools and organizations or is it individuals? So we don't work with individuals. So if you go to the app store today and try to download better, you won't let you get in. It says, wait, what's your organization? We work primarily, it's with enterprises through their benefits and HR teams okay. and higher education through their on-campus wellness. Those and, are our two main groups. And is that just because it's a better business model for you? We, because we got that initial feedback that those are the groups willing to pay, mm-hmm. that's where we started. You know, one of the big fears I had, Allie, in the beginning, you're, you're a pivot away from being something completely different mm-hmm. in any business, especially a tech business. And I never wanted to be some sort of weird ads enablement platform. Mm -hmm. And I felt there was a real risk of that in consumer, where you launch in consumer, you're having trouble monetizing, and then suddenly the data needs to be the product. In our company bylaws, we don't have the ability to share the data. The individual information, we can't share it. We don't want to be in that spot. Mm -hmm. And companies didn't want that either. They said, oh, no, we don't want you to be able to share the data. And we're like, great, we can't share the data. We are a good partner Mm -hmm. for that exact reason. And so there was a little bit of reluctance to go in the consumer market for that reason. Eventually, we will have a consumer option for people yeah. to pick from. But today, it's all B2B. And you fall into what seems to be a growing bucket of benefits that yeah. companies are offering that go beyond the traditional. Turn Signal, who we've yeah. had, you know, they, they're an example of that, too, where I think companies are having to work a lot harder these days to think about what are other benefits besides, you know, health insurance that, that our people really need. and we know the mental health problems people are having and the focus on wellness, and that's, that's, where, that's your sweet spot. 100%. I think it also boils back to how can I drive impact around claims for us on the health side? You know, if you think about the top five drivers of claims across the United States today, you get cardiovascular, mental health is also in there. One of the things that we saw that was so powerful is sleep. We ran a randomized controlled trial with Stanford last year. And in that trial, they found that people who had better you on their phone versus a control group were up 32 minutes of sleep per night after, after two months. So it's not instant, right? It's not tomorrow. But if you have our app on your phone, after a while, you start averaging better sleep. Sleep has a relationship to all-cause mortality in certain age groups. For folks uh, in their 50s, there's a nature study. 
And if you get below, I think it was six hours of sleep regularly for a 10-year time horizon, you are three times more likely to have a, a serious issue that is not recoverable. Hmm. And so those little things, I think helping people find those small gains yeah. that get incremented over time can eventually change who you are as a person and your outlook on life. Yeah. A lot of the, the, the things that you're solving for are avail- there is technology for it. You're not, you're not the first. You're, mm. you're maybe aggregating it in a different way. Is that what it is? Is it, is it that you're making it easier? Are you reaching a population of workers who don't have Apple Watches, who don't have sleep number beds, or you know what I mean? Like, No, I, I, I think we are the first in our approach. So health and wellness is old, right? In a category of software, it's been around since the 20-teens. Mm-hmm. You have Castlight, you have ShareCare, there's Virgin Pulse, Rally Health, Red Brick Health, which eventually got acquired by Virgin Pulse. Yeah. It's a local company. Yep. So there's been many, many endeavors into this space. Where we differ in a very key way is around what changes behavior. Wellness historically is focused on motivation. It's even common verbiage. Mm -hmm. If you go to a gym and talk about your goals, they'll talk to you about, you know, let's get you motivated. Let's get excited. Personal trainers do that all the time. Wellness apps in 2023 are the same. Mm. They're about to get you excited. We're going to launch rewards and incentives. We're going to have all these specials for the new year. And the thing about motivation, Allie, motivation's fickle. Some days I wake up, I want to run the mile. Some days I don't. Right. And if it's just motivation on those days when I don't want to do it, I'm staying in bed. Yeah. So what else, what are the other ingredients for behavior? We follow uh, the FOG model that I mentioned earlier. It looks at ability. How hard is the thing that I'm being asked to do? Hmm. Currently, corporate wellness apps that exist, you're right, it's an established category. They ask people to enter things every single day. Mm-hmm. Write down what you did. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. Well, writing down something every day, every time you do it, isn't the easiest thing. And so anytime something is hard, the only people who end up doing it are the already motivated. So the health perks go to the already healthy. The person going to the gym gets the gym discount. That's the reality of many, many corporate wellness programs today. What we do by eliminating the manual entry, so you don't have to write it down anymore. Yeah. It's almost like Harry Potter, the book, the health journal writes itself now. Way to go. There you go. <laughs> by eliminating that, by finding you some time, hey, here's 10 minutes, here's five minutes, let's do something you want to do. Suddenly, these people in the middle who aren't running a marathon next week and also aren't in you know, chronic illness or, or severely ill, they're able to get a little bit healthier tomorrow and the next mm. day. And that's how, we, that's how we see winning in the health space. So it's for slackers. <laughs> Aren't, don't we all aspire We're to all be slackers, yes, right? In some way, so shape, or form. Does better you know so much that when I've decided to skip my workout and lay on the couch, it's that's when it's going to ping me and say, "Why don't you go for a run?" No, not necessarily. So it, it works differently for different people. This is we're talking about and back to AI. So mm-hmm. better you behaves differently depending on the person, depending on how you use your phone, right? Uh, pretend I use my phone. Well, I'll, I can share actually the most common one. So we measured in a, in a week's time, we measured 3 million phone sessions, which sounds like a lot, but it's not that many. The average person is on their phone 100 times plus a day. So it's, it's not very many. But uh, of those phone sessions, 25% were under 15 seconds, hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. Most people think we use our time very intentionally. 15 seconds, you don't achieve much in 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. In general, I, I mean, let's speak for myself. The time, you're right. checking. Right, yeah. or you're fidgeting in the elevator, like, oh, what's this notification? What's that notification? Mm-hmm. Kind of a thing. And so, uh, you know, what we see on this side, it's the ability to try to reach people at those moments where 
if we know that you use your phone in these very feast or famine, like it's really long sessions or really short sessions, we'll wait. We have to wait past 15 seconds. We don't even know if Allie's going to be on her phone for, for a minute. Why would we send you a notification mm-hmm. if you're unlikely to be on your phone? And then maybe you're the type of person who responds really well to, oh, I miss a workout, let's go for a run. Or maybe you're not. It's a closed loop system. If better you says, hey, Sean, call a friend, and I never open up my phone app or mm-hmm. FaceTime, better you knows I kind of didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so it can change the context. Maybe I felt like I was productive. Maybe my friend sent me a video and you, you asked me too early in the process. There's a difference between the first video and the 30th video. There's a threshold where I feel productive and where I don't. And if you misgauge that, I might swipe you away completely. <laughs> so, so that's the magic of what you have to, to measure. Correct. How, how do you measure success? So we measure success based on goal attainment. You tell us what you want to do. We measure your baseline. How well are you doing it today? And then after one week, two weeks, two months, are you better? Are you more likely to get that sleep you've been meaning to get, to go to the gym, to call your friends and family that you care about? Efficacy is really the metric for us that we care about. And what do you know about your users? Do they say, yes, they are more consistently sleeping longer, eating healthier, doing all these things, calling mom more regularly? Yeah, the, the data shows that, right? So we, we do also ask uh, our members how they feel, right, about using the product and things like that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to efficacy, because it's a closed-loop system, if you have a goal to go to the gym and you go to Lifetime, we know where all the Lifetimes are. That's not a secret, right? We can geofence if I was there or not. And so we can actually see, oh, wow, is, is this person more likely or less likely to go once a week or twice a week or whatever their goal is? Mm-hmm. And so we do see improvements. It varies goal to goal. The sleep lift is one of our better goals. Exercise and steps being our second one. We see a lift of about an extra half mile a day of movement, just raw movement for people who have had our app for two and a half months. Aside from those pieces, though, we have a really solid net promoter score. So people like the product, which I also think is important that Mm -hmm. was in your question, too. Give us an example. Like, if your Better You app on your phone, Sean, knows that you have not been moving much this Mm. week, what's it going to say to you? What kind of a notification are you going to get? Yeah, maybe I'm on a phone call, and it will ask me if I can walk around while I'm on the call. Oh. Because I haven't been very stationary, right? So it's it's trying to learn my context. What are the things that I do? Uh And I'm a, I'm a double dipper. I do two things at once often, especially walks. So I, I will walk. I'll listen to a podcast. I will walk. I will talk to a friend, right? And so knowing that about me and my habits, if I'm just talking to someone stationary, which happens, I'm on the couch, I'm at the office, I might get a prompt to say, hey, you know, if you just move around you know, for mm-hmm. 10 minutes, you could probably get 500 or 1,000 steps here. What do you think? Hmm. That's, does that freak you out at all? It doesn't. So <laughs> the two things, we try to pick our spots. So yeah. we're not sending you a notification every single time. I think yeah. that could be a bit yeah, much. Yeah. The average person gets on average between three to five notifications from us a week a in week. that nudging context. Okay. Yep. Okay. If you're, that's assuming you're, you know, you're not hitting your goals any day of the week, mm-hmm. right? You're eligible every single day. You get three to five. And are they written to just be encouraging, to be supportive? Can you pick what tone? Are they funny? Are they? That's actually where we're going. So what, you know, we talked earlier about different AI and, and its implications. One of the nice things about AI is it's very easy to create a vast library of content in a way you've never been able to before. Mm-hmm. I think about companies like ByWords, which does, um, you know, short snippets of creation for white papers and things. You give it an outline that like fills in some ideas yeah. for you. And, and I think about stuff like that, where it's, it's helping us build out content. We have a library of nudges that's very extensive. 
but it's for a couple different tones. What I'd love to have is a world where we can have, I call it uh, never get the same nudge twice, where it has different tonalities and it learns better around what do you respond mm-hmm. to? Oh, Sean, Sean really likes a positive nudge or, mm-hmm. you know, Tracy really likes a motivating nudge, but Steve, he needs, he needs a firm hand. What about a celebrity nudge? Could we have <laughs> Kevin Hart saying, yo, get off the couch. Let's do you know, it. <laughs> it's time. I see a whole world of partnerships for you. <laughs> it could be cool. So there's a lot of different <laughs> ways to incorporate tonality into uh-huh. the product. Uh-huh. Very interesting. Um, you just had a successful raise. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. $6 Thank million. You. What are you going to do with the money? Yeah, so we're investing in sales, go to marketing and product. Uh, for us, you know, we're on a journey. Our journey today is to reach 50 million people. I don't think we talked about that. My first company, one of the reasons that I, I woke up one day and didn't feel like we had done it, you know, the product lives in another company's hands now. It's not exactly the product we built. And and that's a tough feeling of having it be something kind of different than what you thought it could be or what you thought it should be. Hmm. With Better You, I, I knew if I was going to do it again, it had to be something that I personally felt and something that could have massive impact. And so for us, we're on the path towards 50 million people. And that takes time, but also resources. So we're, we're hiring these sales and marketing roles to continue to expand or go to market. Can you say where you are right now? On that journey? The tens yeah. of thousands of active members. Yeah, yeah. Not, okay. not a, not, we need another zero or two. I <laughs> got there. it. Are you targeting certain industries or b- what, what's the sweet spot for you? How, a bigger, big companies, I yeah, imagine? Yeah, so, so I would say in, in higher ed, it's, it's you know, the four-year degree-granting institutions. Generally, you've got at least 4,000 students for us to really make sense. On the organization side, you've got to have at least 500 employees, I think, for us to really be a great fit. We, we have some exceptions, but for the most part, we, we tend to see that and up uh, really where we can shine. Do you imagine this being something that gets spun off to, I mean, is this another acquisition product? You're looking to exit? You're taking on money? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's a, it's a fair question. For me, that's, that path is something I'm not very interested in, which is surprising. It can be even surprising to some of our investors, but I'm very upfront about that. My goal is 50 million. The path that gets to 50 million is the path, right? How, how, where, can, do you get push notifications on that? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't have any company goals, and there's no company goals in the I app see, currently. I see. I see. Um, how did you decide on 50 million? Yeah. So we we built actually a bottoms up model, and we looked at some of the most successful consumer apps, mm-hmm. things like Headspace, things like Calm, Duolingo. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately the type of of impact we want to have. Hmm. Duolingo can literally measure the uh, placement rates or the the test certifications for people who are learning Spanish through their app Mm -hmm. and how they compare to college students. They literally can track these folks over time and measure that lift in in completion rates in these courses from their product work in in no small part. That's the type of impact we want to have. And and for it to be anything less, it just doesn't make sense. This year, we'll do uh, a couple million dollars in annual recurring revenues. And when we crossed $2 million, I remember this. Everyone wanted to, like, celebrate with me. I was like, wow, way to go, Sean, way to go. And I looked at someone, and I remember telling them, I was like, this isn't even the number I care the most about. Like, why are you, mm-hmm. what are you talking to me about this for? Yeah. Uh, so are you doing a lot of work to add, improve, change the app itself, or is the focus just on getting it in on more phones, in more hands? No. So always. The app is never done. You asked about version two earlier, and I yeah. was thinking, aren't we still on version two in some uh, way, shape, okay. or form? Uh, I mean, technically not. Technically, we're on version four or five. But one of the things we're adding right now, it comes out this week, uh, the last near, near the end of the year here, which we're really excited about, 
we're working on a feature that are you familiar with uh, the Spotify Rewind where they show you your, your minutes and songs? Of course. Yeah. Did you get one? I'm curious. Your, yeah, your rap, your year rap. How many minutes did you have, Ellie? Oh my God, I didn't look. I was oh, paying no. attention to who I listened to. Oh, I should have no. looked. We had a team member with 125,000 minutes. Wow. She's a legend. She she's always listening to something <laughs> apparently, which is great. Uh, but anyway. That feature is really neat because it shows you unique insights about how you listen to music, the, yeah. the genres you like, the songs, the artists you spend time with. Mm-hmm. We are creating a similar feature called uh, the Better You Recap. And what it's doing, it launches in two days. It's going to show you how you live your life in 2023. Huh. It'll show you the number of weeks that you had your, your calls to mom in a streak. It'll show you your average improvement when you do a goal with a friend or coworker, which we call challenges. It'll show you your trend lines up, down, sideways for certain goals. And you'll get a score and a, a report that you can share out internally or with mm-hmm. your friends or family. So wow. it's a really cool feature. It looks, it looks stellar. <laughs> and I could not be more proud of the team uh, getting it out and over the goal line here before the end of the year. Very exciting. Um, you are a new father. Yes. Congratulations on that. Thank you. It's not going to be very long before your baby girl is going to know how to swipe and how, I'm telling you, you wait. They come out knowing these days. I mean, she's going to want a phone and you're going to wrestle with that and screen time. And, and you, this whole company started because of you wrestling with yeah. sort of that wasted screen time. So how do you reconcile all of that now and, and what your phone can do and then, you know, what it does to us? Yeah, I think the easy way is a recognition you know, I used to live my life where I'd wake up in the morning and I'd turn off my alarm and my alarm was on my phone. And then instead of taking 10 minutes and thinking about what I want to achieve in my day or in my life or any of those things, I would start triaging notifications. Oh, I got this text, I got this email, I got this thing, I got that thing. As if somehow the most important part of my day was something that I missed while I was asleep. It's a recognition for me, Allie, that, that today our time gets optimized, but it isn't optimized for us. It's optimized by advertisers, by app makers, people who care about what I'll watch, not necessarily what I want. And so for me, the work we're doing with Better You, it's about creating a tomorrow for Asha, my daughter, for me, for all of us, Mm -hmm. where the thing that we care the most about, those things that matter in our lives, those are the things that our day should be getting optimized around. Not watching a random ad or buying a random product that we may not need. This race to the bottom that the attention economy has been of who can be more distracted and who can get your attention for longer, it needs to become a race to the top around who can be the most helpful in my day. And that's what we strive to do at Better You. Hmm. I love it. Um, Your number one goal for 2024, since we're talking about optimizing. Personally or or for Better You? Well, let's do both. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You know, it's always that time of year we have to think about these things. Yeah. Oh, I think, hmm, I think I would, so my, my, I try to always share the, the parenthood workload at home. We have certain days where mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on duty to wake up with Asha and certain days my wife Preeti's on duty to wake up with my daughter, our daughter. I think I would, I would like to make sure that I'm there for more bedtimes and activities and hangouts. It's such a fun time to mm-hmm. be there with her. Yeah. And I do, I do still work. I don't work as crazy uh, long hours as I used to. You know, with the first company, certainly I've gotten better at it over time, I like to think. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure that I'm there for at least, you know, half, if not more of, you know, the after work activities and things that we're doing. So I don't miss out on that first year, year and a half, two years of, of her life. Yeah. I just have heard from so many folks and I've seen it anecdotally that 
it's time you don't get back that sometimes you wish you could get back. So I want to try to live that up to the to the fullest. That's a great goal. Absolutely. So that'd be for me personally. Yeah. For the company, oh, that's an easy one. I mean, we're we're looking to well, there's actually maybe two, I guess we could mention. We're looking to double our revenues, our top line revenues next year. We're looking to double. Uh-huh. And on top of that, we're we're on the path to profitability. So we want to get to a spot where cash in exceeds cash out by the end of the year. And that's something we think we've got a good line of sight to, which is cool. Hmm. Well, we know you're going to be tracking all of it. Of so course, you'll of be course. able to report back how it goes. Sean, it's a really it's a really cool story and it's a great a great example of how you can turn the technology to work for you. Absolutely. So congratulations. Sounds like you're enjoying what you're doing. Thanks, Ellie. It's easier when you have a good time doing it. That's right. <laughs> A fun fact, to make sure that he doesn't spend too much time on his phone or start his day on his phone, Sean actually wakes up with a clocky alarm clock. You know, that's the one that actually rolls away from you. So you're forced to jump out of bed and turn it off. And that's how he starts his day. Well, for more perspective on productivity apps and AI in our life, let's go back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, where Jay Eben is a professor. Jay, first of all, any goals that you would want to be setting on your phone? Sleep, <laughs> steps? What do you think? I think all of them. And uh, and certainly just... All of them. Putting my phone down more often would be a, a good start. Right. If it could just tell us, just stop, get off and go. It's it's kind of cliche how we all have the same goals. Everybody wants to walk more and sleep more, basically, and yeah, maybe right. call mom. Um, so one thing that really jumped out to me that's so interesting and, and wouldn't have been possible, you know, 10, 15 years ago is, you know, Sean came at this from feeling like he was spending too much time on his phone. But rather than putting his phone down, he came up with some some other way to use his phone to actually control his phone usage. AI is becoming, you know, uh, I think it's it's giving way to so many new entrepreneurial journeys. What's the what's the thinking at at St. Thomas right now, or how are you talking about this with students? Yeah, it's a great question. I'll I'll start with I'm certainly not an expert on AI, but I think I think most people think of AI right now as chatbots and AI assist, and because that's what, what most of our, our exposure to it has been. But I think the the places where AI is going to really create significant value is in opportunities where it can transform how people operate. And so I think this is a really good example of we're using our phones too much. Sean's taking AI and trying to transform how we use our phones into something a little more positive. I was just at a a pitch for a startup last week and the, the founder likened it to building a website back in the day versus building a social media platform. And so mm. you build a, a wellness app on a phone or you can build a tool that individualizes learning and individualizes motivations and and uses that to help people you know operate more in line with with how they want to operate. Right. So so it's not just being it, it's not just the technology alone. It's how are you actually utilizing it to do something beneficial or or new that can help our daily lives. Right. And it's um it's and and the power of AI is that it can learn about the individual and tailor everything there. And in automated, I, I kind of laughed when Sean talked about the other wellness apps that are out there. I put a a hydration tracking app in my phone about a year ago and I've never used it because 
every time I drink a glass of water, I have to go in and, and record that I'd, I'd, I'd had a glass of water. And yeah, I think the power of what they're doing allows people to get around that, that part of it, that barrier to using wellness apps. That actually reminds me of something else he said that I thought was so interesting, which is, you know, getting in this cycle of everyone around you is saying, yeah, that's great. That's great. But you're not really vetting the idea and, and getting useful feedback. Um, I, I loved his um, suggestion of the, the mom test. Are there other things like that that, that you recommend to aspiring entrepreneurs? Yeah, we talk about that in class all the time, that those hypotheticals, would you use this app or would you pay for this? You know, it's our, our human nature to say yes to that, especially in Minnesota, right? We're Minnesota nice. We don't ever want to tell anybody we don't like their idea, right? And in going to the trying to get at how people are actually behaving. And so I thought his um, question around, well, have you ever done a Google search for free wellness apps or, you know, that's a lot more indicative of people's pain points than asking them if they have a problem or would they be interested in a certain product or service. You know, past behavior is much more indicative of future behavior than kind of thinking about it. We're not just, we're just not good predictors of what our future behavior wants or needs might be. Right. So, so just be careful when you're asking your, your friends and family, do you want my product? That, that they're going to say yes. What you need to ask is, is this actually a problem that this solves in your life? Yeah. And, and try to get at it in a way that demonstrates that it actually is a problem versus them just saying it's a problem, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Well, Sean seems to have done that. It's it's going to be interesting to to see where how how far he can take better you in the next uh, few years. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time and expertise, Jay, and thank you to our presenting sponsor, the University of St. Thomas Schultz School of Entrepreneurship. For more about By All Means, go to tcbmag.com slash by all means. You'll find all our episodes and expert professor insights there. Thanks again for listening to By All Means. It takes teamwork to make By All Means, and we've got some all-stars. Thanks to our audio engineer, Tom Ferlitti. Digital support is Ricky Hannigan and Dan Meepo. Thanks to the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business and Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, especially Dean Laura Dunham for all their support. Our theme music is by Song Finch. Thank you for listening to By All Means.